This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've got uh, my good uh, friend and Get Connected uh, co-host, John Beeler, with me today. Got uh, an awesome show. We're going to talk about uh, bike tech. We've got AG on later in the program to talk about how technology has changed the way uh, things like the Tour de France uh, operates now. Uh, so we'll find out uh, how cyclists are taking advantage of all the latest technologies and bikes to go even faster and shave a few seconds off their times. Uh, we will also uh, get an update on smart glasses. Uh, a little while ago, I got outfitted uh, or fitted, sorry, uh, for some uh, smart glasses by North. They're called Focals. Well, uh, one of our correspondents out in Toronto, Amanda Blaine, has actually had them for a month now on her face. And so we'll get an update <laughs> on whether they work or not and if uh, they will be in your future. And uh, we're going to talk about cell phone repair. You know, this is a huge thing. Everyone, some point along the way, breaks their smartphone. And most of the time, it's a smashed screen. And so where do you go? You know, if you've got an iPhone, typically you go down to the Apple store. It's not cheap. Not anymore. Not anymore. And the other option would be these third-party repair companies. They're everywhere now. They're little storefronts. They're kiosks and malls. What do you look for? Like, how do you know you're going to the right one that's not going to overcharge you and is actually using the right parts and knows what they're doing? It's kind of scary. It is. Well, we've uh, got an expert in uh, that will tell us what we need to know about that and how you can save uh, quite a bit of money on it. Uh, let's talk about some of the news uh, right now, uh, John. Uh, I came across an interesting story, again, revolving around <laughs> privacy. And, you know, it, it just sadder and sadder as the years go on you know as i realize there literally is no privacy anymore so one of the things that i like about my chrome browser for surfing the internet is incognito mode which is supposed to erase all your tracks that you know these websites and companies can't track what you're doing and i use it a lot but apparently google and facebook can actually garner information out of that. You know, great uh, article by Patrick O'Rourke in MobileSyrup.com uh, entitled Google and Facebook Keeps Track of All the Weird Porn You Watch. <laughs> so explain this, John. <laughs> explain your weird porn? Uh, no, I don't watch weird <laughs> porn. That's that's AJ. <laughs> right. I'm sure that's AJ. Um, yeah, this is um, no surprise to anyone is you can't believe what, your browser is actually recording and saving and storing and logging. Um, at some point, someone along the chain, when you put in a URL or you visit a bookmark, somebody along the chain will be keeping tabs on what you've done. And even in incognito mode, which really all it does is it blocks your browser history on your local machine. It doesn't actually change it on the server. The server still needs to go out and say, hey, I need to go to this weird porn site or wherever you're going in incognito mode. Um, and there's a number of breadcrumbs that Google and Facebook has basically said, we can't actually stop not logging this stuff. We can piece this stuff together, even if your local browser history doesn't show any of this. So um, basically, it's buyer beware. Uh, you know, if you're going to these kind of places, especially on a machine that's shared with people, uh, incognito is great. But if you really are concerned about this type of stuff and say you're on a work computer, for example, or you're concerned that somebody might find out what you're really into, uh, either at Google or Facebook at least, uh, don't use these browsers and or these tools. Um, Facebook, or uh, sorry, Firefox actually has promised that they're actually not logging any of this stuff. Um, <laughs> sure. Right. Sure. But, you know, again, 
Mozilla has been pretty good at uh, keeping uh, their stuff uh, on the up and up, and uh, they're less interested because they're not uh, as for commerce industry as Google and Facebook are. Uh, all you can do is hope, because <laughs> you, you you want to believe that they're actually staying true to their word. Well, there's a study that analyzed over 20,000 pornography websites, uh, which revealed that 93% of the sites included in the investigation leaked user browsing data to third parties. Uh, So Google uh, actually is keeping information, and even Facebook uh, is keeping information uh, as well. And any other website that can read those cookies, as long as they know from those, especially from those top tier websites that people go to, uh, those are probably fairly known entities and it would be very easy for them to discover if you've been to those places by looking at your, your cookie history. Let's switch gears now and talk about, uh, Elon Musk. I think uh, many of us know him, uh, as the guy that, uh, has really popularized electric cars and self-driving cars. He uh, is also the man behind SpaceX. He's sending rockets into space. and He's our Tony Stark. He's Tony Stark. He's our Iron Man. Uh, so sending rockets into space, and uh, his dream is to send people to Mars. He's uh, you know in the solar power market uh, as well. I guess that's been blended into uh, Tesla. And now he's uh, behind a new company called uh, Neuralink, and uh, they want to stitch a computer into your brain. Yes, this whole brain-computer interface has sort of been the holy grail for a long time, and Elon thinks he's found a way to do it. This is basically helping us jack into the matrix. So, you know, I've, I've read a lot about this. I'm just trying to kind of understand how it's all working, but they're basically saying they've uh, got a technology and a robotic sewing machine that can actually stitch these delicate little wires into the certain sections of the brain that will be able to pick up the signals, the spikes, the electrical spikes from the neurons in the brain without, you know, making you bleed out by hitting the blood vessels, (laughs) essentially. And they're calling this a neural lace. Right. And, you know, saying that, you know, it could be everything from, you know, interfacing with computers and artificial intelligence uh, to solving certain neurological issues. Uh, I mean, it's really open-ended as to what this can do. I guess the one good thing he said is that this isn't going to change humanity overnight. It's not like ready for prime time yet. This is very much a beta or even alpha stage of this particular project. But it's really exciting because basically he's found a way or his team has found a way to monitor in real time this data they can't send data back to it yet they can't reach you know reconfigure that data so they can't make a blind person see and that kind of thing but this particular type of research and this type of technology developments are the the steps to that ultimate uh, awesomeness would you have a computer stitched into your brain sure <laughs> i'm asking the wrong person <laughs> you are yeah you you'd have an atari stitched into your brain if you if you could <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like Pong all day long in your in your eyes. Uh, yeah, it's a little freaky to me. I think we're still many, many years away from Absolutely. any meaningful yeah. uh, development on that. But, but on the same token, though, when you have someone like Elon, who's actually delivered on, on his promises for other things, this is quite exciting to see some serious money probably being put into this research. Yeah, you know, I wonder how history will judge him, like as someone that has helped humanity or an evil genius that has brought down humankind well he hasn't launched rockets out of a of a volcano yet no or have has a giant laser on the moon that we know of that we know of that we know of 
when we come back from the break, smartphone repairs. We've got an expert uh, on, uh, on, not on the line, he's actually in studio to tell us what to look for and how you can save money. Listen to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've got uh, fellow nerd John Beeler with me today. In a little bit, we'll be talking tech in cycling, uh, specifically the Tour de France and all the technology that's happening with that. We've got AJ to help us walk through it because he is an award-winning cyclist. He never lets us forget that. No, no, we'll get into that. Uh, let's talk about cell phones now, smartphones. Uh, one of the big issues uh, I think a lot of people face is when you break your smartphone, where do you go? Well, a lot of us uh, probably go back to the Apple Store or we uh, try to contact Samsung or Google and find out that it's super expensive to fix cracked screens, uh, repair water damage, uh, especially with the Apple Store. Uh, they do charge... A hefty price. An arm and a leg. An arm and a leg. Uh, but, you know, that's the price you pay for fantastic service. Well, there are alternatives uh, out there. You see these uh, places, they're storefronts, they've got the kiosks in the mall, these little smartphone repair places. But what do you look for when you go to one of these? Like, how do you know that you're going to get the right quality? Like, you just don't know. You also don't know if you're going to be getting it serviced in that particular location or they're going to send it out somewhere. Well, uh, we've uh, got uh, our good friend Alex from the thecellclinic.ca. They've got two locations here in the lower mainland, uh, one in downtown Vancouver and uh, one out uh, in Surrey by Guilford Mall. Thanks for joining us, Alex. Thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, let's talk about cellclinic.ca. You guys... Uh, not only repair smartphones, but obviously smell, uh, smell, sell, uh, use smartphones uh, as well. How long have you guys been in business? Since uh, 2014, we've been in business here in Vancouver. So what I found interesting, because uh, we've been doing a little research into this, uh, it's hard to know who knows what they're doing and who doesn't. Can you give our listeners some tips on sure. what to look for in uh, a smartphone repair, repair place? Sure. Well, like, like most uh, service industries, I'd always recommend checking the reviews see what the company's about, see how they respond to the reviews. That's important as well. Make sure they're taking care of the times when things do go wrong, that they're taking care of it. Uh, another thing to look for is, of course, warranty. Are you going to be getting uh, after-service care with this service? Um, most smartphone repair places will do a year. We actually happen to do a lifetime, so you don't have to worry about keeping that receipt. You don't have to worry about, is my warranty expired? Unless, unless I smash my phone again. Of course, yeah. That, <laughs> there, is, there is alternatives for that as well. Yeah. Um, you can get a liquid glass insurance plan, which will cover you up to $300 worth of damage and other, other oh. op- options like that. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Uh, when we, we actually went down to your store and we actually filmed a segment. Uh, we brought in a, uh, a cracked uh, screen on a Google Pixel 3 XL. Uh, I priced it out uh, through Google. Uh, I think it was close to $400, but you guys uh, were almost $150 cheaper. Why are you guys so much cheaper? Are you using cheaper parts? Uh, well, for this phone in particular, we're using authentic original parts. Okay. Uh, not always the case for most phones, but we do use the highest quality available. Uh, price basically is just because we're independent. We, we don't have to price our stuff that high. And um, we, we work on volume repairs, so we're doing more repairs than the typical repair shop. Well, it was interesting, uh, John. We went into the back where you uh, have your guys actually working on these. And... Uh, there was it was a lot more sophisticated than I thought because you know I go to these places in the mall the kiosk right and it's some guy on a chair uh, you know maybe he's got a little mat in front of him yeah <laughs> you know, prying your screen open you've got all sorts of different uh, machines and magnifying glasses yeah yeah so um, 
you'll find the simple screen repairs being done at the mall kiosks, maybe a battery. But when it comes down to board level repairs where there's water damage or some kind of other damage that's happened to the device, you'll need the special instruments to kind of diagnose and um, repair that kind of unit. So you guys just don't do screens. Like if there's something wrong uh, with your smartphone, like you said, down at the motherboard level, yeah. uh, you know, in most cases, uh, you know, that's a trip to the Apple store and you're going to have to pay for a replacement right. phone. Uh, and most... Uh, other companies, they don't really service that either, but you guys can do that. No, yeah, most companies won't service at that level. It's, a, it's quite a quite a amount of work that goes into it. And uh, yes, we do, we do both at both of our locations, yeah. I, I was impressed that the, you had like the desoldering equipment and you were able to actually... If, you know, especially on a maybe slightly older device where the parts aren't as... Uh, common anymore you can actually replace some of the like even like the cpu chips and graphic chips and stuff mm, yeah, like, if yeah, you had to I, I didn't think you could do that because nowadays you know you just take it into one of these you know like the apple store and they just give you a whole new phone right you know what i mean like a refurbished phone at a cost well at a cost yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you get a skilled, a skilled elect, uh, electronics technician and they that's pretty straightforward for them. Uh, I, I wish I could do that. I, I have a lot of that gear, and I have the magnifying glasses. I just don't have the steady hands for the really small parts and stuff. But uh, when someone brings uh, like a screen repair into, into you, are they voiding the warranty on their phone? So that depends. They'll have to check their warranty. I know Apple has released... Um a new uh, press release saying that that does not void their warranty for a simple screen repair, but again, you have to read the details. Um, the biggest thing is, do, do you have a warranty still? Is it only six months? Um, you'll be getting a lifetime warranty when you replace that screen here, so is it, you've got to weigh your cost, right? If you've just gotten the phone, maybe it's best to go to Apple to get it, you know, pay the extra bucks and get it done and keep that two-year warranty that you've paid for. But when it comes down to you know three four months left on your warranty or your warranty is expired, you're vo- you're going to be voiding it anyway. So and it's not just the screens too, right? Because the screen there's the digitizer like for your touch screen. Like it's a lot more complex than just replacing a piece of glass, mm-hmm. right? Yes, so um, so definitely you want to make sure you go to someone that knows what they're doing because it's really easy I think to mess up the rest of the device if you're not doing it properly. For sure, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about screens. I mean that's probably the most common. Problem, right? Sure. I would say 90% of phone repairs are screen repairs, yeah. So, obviously, number one, get a case. (laughs) So, you protect your phone. What else can you do to protect the screen? Okay, so there's a couple different options. Uh, There's the standard tempered glass option, which is really cheap. You can can pick them up for, you know, five bucks a tempered glass, put it on yourself, or you can come get installed at our our locations. Uh, But what I really recommend is the ClearPlex option. It's a clear coating that goes on the front or back of the device. And um, basically, that, that piece of coating is re- resistance to um, multiple drops. So you don't just crack your tempered glass, have to go pay another, you know, five bucks or install it for, you know, pay another 20 bucks to get that put on there. So that ClearPlex will self-heal with, uh, with any drop or damage. The, the third option is, is the um, Warranty Life Liquid Glass. Now, that covers you up to $300 worth of damage you might do to your device. So I believe it's $59.99, and it covers you up for $300, and that includes any kind of you know, physical damage. So 60 bucks, uh, and it's the coating you put on the, the screen? Yeah, it's liquid coating. Yeah. yeah it uh, basically hardens that glass, makes it a little bit tougher to break, and if it does break within that year, then you're covered. And how, how long is that warranty for? For one year. One year, okay. I, I thought it was interesting that the ClearPlex that you had put on, um, you had suggested that, you know, on say on a non-important part of your screen or on the back, you can actually just, you know, if you have a crack on the back glass, which is very common, uh, you can just put this coating on and basically cover up the crack 
and it sort of locks everything in place. Yeah, yeah, that will cover that crack up. We, we actually have um, carbon fiber for the backs phones. These gla- these phones are being made of glass in the back now, and we see a ton of them getting in broken. Yeah, uh, some of them we can't. Actually I just thought that was a, a really interesting. Yeah. Uh, solution to problem it's like putting you know it's more than just putting duct tape on the back it actually gives you kind of like a a a case type back on on the phone covers up the damage and your phone's still usable Mm -hmm. yeah yeah we've seen a lot of that well it's interesting uh, a lot of these new phones especially apple uh, like the iphone 10 and uh the max they're glass on both sides and uh it's so easy to damage those so uh you can basically get uh, uh coatings for both sides now that would protect them yeah yeah exactly you can get a full wrap you can get cool color on the back it's it's like getting a case without having to pay for a case and it covers the the phone uh we're talking again with alex he's from cellclinic.ca uh great place where we went to uh check it out uh you can actually get people to sign up online if they need repairs. Yeah, yeah. If you book in online, you actually um, you get ten percent, ten sorry, ten dollars off the repair. So that allows us to tell that you're coming, uh, allows us to prepare for you, and uh, gives you a bit of a discount. How long does it take to get repairs? Oh, per, time per start to finish about half hour, forty five minutes. Very cool. Uh, and from what I understand, uh, your Surrey location also repairs other stuff as well. Yes. So we do laptops there, PCs. We're moving into some game consoles this month. So if you got an Xbox problem, the red death, uh, red light of death, or anything like that, you can bring it on into our Surrey location. God, I had three Xboxes with that. <laughs> <laughs> I kept sending them into into Microsoft to get fixed, uh, but I think eventually they died again. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me again. That was Alex uh, from CellClinic.ca. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk here and get connected, and uh, we'll find out uh, more about tech in cycling. If you're a cyclist or know someone who is, there's some really cool stuff happening, and we'll uh, talk about how that's being used in the Tour de France uh, as well. Mike and John here on Get Connected back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We uh, still have a lot more to talk about on today's program, and a little bit we'll be uh, bringing AJ on the line to talk about bike tech, uh, especially how it uh, is involved with the Tour de France. Apparently, he's a bike expert. An award-winning cyclist, which he never shuts up about now. Uh, So we'll hear all about uh, how technology is uh, reshaping how that uh, whole world works. Right now, though, I want to talk about smart glasses. Back a few weeks ago, I told you about my experience about uh, getting fitted for some smart glasses. Uh, These are uh, Focals by a company called North uh, out in Toronto. They've got uh, a couple shops, one in Toronto, one uh, down in uh, New York, Brooklyn, uh, actually, uh, I think. And these are augmented, uh, not even augmented reality. They're just smart glasses. They have uh, a heads-up display that gives you notifications as you're meandering about the world. Uh, Basically hooks in wirelessly with your smartphone, whether that's an iPhone or Android uh, device. I'm still waiting. I think uh, it's uh, a few weeks away for me. But um, we've uh, got one of our friends, Amanda Blaine. She's uh, out in Toronto, I believe, uh, who has actually got a pair and has had a chance to try them out. Thanks for joining us, Amanda. Hello. Uh, so tell us about it. You've uh, actually got your uh, your hands on these uh, these glasses and uh, you've been using them. Yes. So just like you, I had a uh, fitting in Toronto and um, the entire process of the fitting is a whole experience in yourself. So if you are located in Toronto, you can book an appointment, go in at any time and go through the experience at uh, no cost. So if you are, make sure you go check it out because it will get you uh, a better experience for it. 
Um, but the glasses themselves are really kind of neat. Uh, if you have like a smartwatch and you're familiar with using notifications from your phone onto the smartwatch, the, uh, the focal glasses are just like the next step up from that. So you don't have to look down. There's no putting your, flipping your watch over to have a look. And people are like, why are you checking the time? There's none of that. It's just straightforward looking ahead and the notifications appear for you. So pretty neat. So now you can have an iPhone, an Apple Watch, and smart glasses <laughs> all connected together. All in one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so explain to the listeners like what it looks like uh, in the glasses. Okay, so that's probably the best thing whenever you mention uh, smart glasses. People immediately go to the Google Glass of old, which are those, you know, scary-looking, over-the-top things that are on your face that make everybody kind of freak out. The Focal by North glasses are glasses first. Um, that's what the company went for. They hired an expert eyeglass designer uh, to come in and design the glasses first, and then they put the technology into the glasses. So they look like really normal, regular glasses that any person would be wearing. Um, and that's a really big benefit, because if you're going to be wearing something that's on your your face all the time you don't want people going oh my god are you, are, you know what are those things or what's happening it just looks like a normal pair of glasses so um that was definitely the first thing that i noticed and people were regularly commenting on you know how great the glasses looked on me which uh, unfortunately <laughs> i paid for laser eye surgery many years ago to get rid of this experience and now technology has come so far that we're looping back around to to have glasses in there so uh, it was an interesting experience that most people were commenting on how great the glasses looked. So you can get your notifications, you can get the weather, you can get directions, you can order an Uber. Uh, are you finding that you're actually usefully using them? So there is, in my opinion, a bit of a gimmicky feel to this um, because they, they are like a, the smart watch. You know, so if you are a person that found that you used your smartwatch after that initial time of using it, um, then these will probably work for you because it's the same. It's the same experience. All the technology, all the intelligence is in the phone, um, just like on a smartwatch would be. There's no actual intelligence happening in the glasses. It's literally just the screen. So if you like using a smartwatch and you just don't like the idea of looking down at the watch and you'd rather have it going ahead then this will probably be something that would be interesting to you. Um, like I said, I spent a lot of money to not have to wear glasses and had laser eye surgery. So the idea of having to put glasses back on again was kind of uh, not something that I was super keen on. Um, I did find that if I was having conversations with people or I was in a meeting, there's a function actually um, that's recently launched in the app that allows you to have your talking notes. So if you're speaking or doing a presentation, you can literally see, you know, what you're supposed to be talking about right in front of your eyeball without having anybody else noticing that you're, you're doing that. There's, there's certain use cases where I think that these are exceptionally uh, better than, than some of the other notification type technology that we have. But I do feel that for me personally, I only wear glasses occasionally. I don't know that I want to be wearing these all of the time. Um, I guess is the best way to, that, that I could say that. Well, you know, John, uh, you know, we've talked about this as well. One other aspect of these glasses uh, is that 
they are voice activated, but they also have a, a little joystick controller. It's a ring that you have to wear to interact with it. So, Amanda, do you find you have to have that ring on all the time to get full use of it? Yes. Um, the Alexa function that's built into it, um, the way that they designed these glasses was for brief, short interactions that are not long term. You're not taking phone calls on this. You're not like having ongoing conversations. But with the small ring notification, you're able to quickly answer a text, like flick up twice and you're able to send an emoticon saying you're going to be late or a short um, pre-cut message that would say I'm, I'm, I'm on my way or I'm in the middle of something. Um, so it is a very easy way to be doing it with uh, the little joystick function. You're not like on Google Glass. I did put your hand up on the side and interact with the side of your face so everybody knew what you were doing. This, you can keep your hand at your side, flip twice, and nobody knows exactly what's going on. Um, so there is a difference with the with the, the joystick notification to it. But again, both of these things take a battery. Um, you do get about a full day use uh, because, again, it's short interactions that you are doing with, with both of them. Um, but... There, there is limitations to it, of course, because because of that battery use, because you are constantly flicking and doing things on and off like that. How did you find when you were actually like reading a notification, for example, um, like a smartwatch, it's the distraction, your eye looks down or whatever. Um, with the glasses, how did you find other people perceived that you were like zoning out while you were reading your notifications kind of thing? Is, is that something perceptible to people or was it uh, invisible to them? So when you first put it on, it's really, there's a learning curve because you want to, you want to look with both eyes over in that direction. There's a definite, um, you know, oh, I got a notification. There's a thing, a learning curve, I suppose, that will happen um, while that exists. Uh, and they tell you that right away and that, that you will get used to this and it will be become more comfortable. I found that that was true to a certain extent. Um, but just like, you know, when your watch vibrates, you are there isn't a noticeable response. Um, I don't know that I ever reached the point of seamless interaction where no one would have any clue that, that I was doing anything else. Uh, it was like, Oh, look, something shiny happened every time. I would always have some kind of a response where, where I was looking over. Um, but, but again, you're not turning your whole head, looking down, flicking your watch up and, and doing that kind of a, a full movement. It, it is much more subtle. Uh, I'm sure with, more ongoing time. I've only had it about a, a month now. Uh, I'm sure with more time, it would you would get better at, at hiding that uh, capability. The other thing that I will say in regards to that is that um, the screen that the notifications appear on is a, a small section, which is why you have to do the very uh, specific fitting so that the glasses fit your face perfectly. I did find that the glasses would kind of move up and down a little bit on my nose and, and I might have to adjust them a little bit um, to get them to, to view perfectly each time. Uh, and this is something they, again, said with time would get better because uh, the glasses will learn and you'll position them better and all of that's featured in the app. But um, there is some of these small little things to get out of the way when you're first starting out, I suppose. That's Amanda Blaine. Uh, she's been trying out the, the new Focals from North, some smart glasses uh, developed here in Canada. I'll be getting a, a pair of these uh, in the coming weeks, so I'm excited to run them through uh, their paces uh, as well. Amanda, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks so much. 
You'll also want to check out our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Amanda's actually done a, a great uh, you know, review and overview of these uh, glasses if you want to find out more information about them. When we come back from the break, it's bike tech. We've got AJ talking all about the latest in bike technology as it has to do with the Tour de France. It's just not tires and, and pedals anymore. There's so much more to this. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected, Mike and uh, John here. We've got AJ in studio as well to talk about bike tech this week. And AJ, we brought you in because apparently you've ridden a bike before, and that's your qualification. <laughs> wow, that's the you set the bar really high on that one, eh? No, I know you did something <laughs> called Race Across America back when uh, I, you were very young. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, I was part of the first Canadian uh, team to ever do uh, what's called Race Across America, RAM for short. And uh, believe it or not, this is this race is actually even more grueling than the Tour de France. It's uh, it literally goes for three thousand miles across the United States from one coast to the other, Irvine, California, to Savannah, Georgia, and it's a non-stop race. So you know those tour guys, they get to stop every day, go relax for a you bit because they're weak. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but we don't we don't stop in that race. So it's like the Gumball Rally, rally but with bikes. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so things have changed. Things have uh, changed. I want to talk Tour de France. Yeah. Now, uh, how, do, how are they using technology? Well, uh, the big uh, thing with the technology today, I think, uh, with the Tour de France is you're going to see two, two major changes. They have different bikes um, for different reasons. One uh, for climbing and one for when you're not climbing, it's all about aerodynamics. And, you know, when Greg LeMond won in 1989, uh, one of the biggest reasons is because he had an aerodynamic helmet on, well, he's a fantastic athlete, but he also had some technology in place, uh, an aerodynamic helmet and aerodynamic uh, position on his bike. And so a lot of people have looked at that and said, uh, and since then, the, the, the development of the technology has increased consider- considerably. In fact, um, you know, now we're looking at how the bikes are sculpted in wind tunnels, you know, and they actually change the geometry on the bike based on how the wind moves through the frames. Uh, they've removed the cabling to go inside the bikes now. These carbon fiber frames now have all the cabling inside of them, and they've even introduced more recently electronic shifting. So uh, Shimano has an electronic shifting um, system that allows, um, you know, essentially, and it adds a, you know, we go back into weight and we talk about that when we talk about the climbing bites, bikes, but, um, but the benefit of the aerodynamics in response to the weight game, the electronic shifting has actually been more valuable. Is there any um, controversy with that? I mean, would the purists say we don't need electronic shifting? We don't need cables inside the frame? I think, or they just all want to get as fast I, as they can. Honestly, any advantage better advantage you know and so the air the the aerodynamics um are actually set aside when it comes to climbing because let's face it you're not moving that fast when you're climbing i mean to us they are right but but the reality is is now it's about light how light can you get the bike and so you throw a lot of those aerodynamics out the window in order to get a much lighter bike and so all the different technologies in 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 the materials used for the bike the type of wheels that they put on the bike all that sort of stuff changes completely for when they're doing those massive climbing days but when you talk about um is there is there uh sort of some stigma about you know these advances in technology and and then talking about electric there's some major stigma out there i would say with electric bikes because electric assist bikes yes yeah not in the tour de france now we're sort of getting into the mainstream but when, when it when people start talking about you having an electric bike when you're going out for a ride whether that be a road ride or a mountain bike ride there's a lot of people that are like yeah you're not really riding 
you know, <laughs> you're not really right. I'm all about the e-assist bikes. But let yeah. me tell you, it is going to be a major revolutionary change to the way that like really fit people want to go out there and cycle because what people are finding is when before they would go out for these mountain bike rides and they do like a lap on the mountain. Well, now they're doing like four or five. Okay. So they're getting more in. They're getting an awesome workout. Yeah. But they're getting way more mountain climbing and mountain riding and downhilling than they would have ever got before. They're getting into spots that they couldn't normally get to. Uh, and let's face it, um, you know, I've since I did the race across America, I put on a couple pounds. I, I didn't want to say anything, but <laughs> I think you need a, a, but, a sturdier but, bike. But now if I'm out there on an electric bike, I can still ride with some of the guys that are on non-electric bikes and keep up with them on those until, climbs and until stuff. Until they get on an electric bike. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it all uh, falls apart. Uh, so are you going to get an electric bike? Do you have one? Oh, 100%. I'm, I'm definitely getting an electric bike. I don't have one yet. I've ridden a couple of them. And, and honestly, it's just, it's just like, think about it. When you go to the gym and you're working on one of those stationary bikes, you're getting a good workout because you're doing a constant pedal stroke and all that kind of thing, right? So with an electric bike, it's the same kind of idea. You're out there, you're riding further, you're riding faster, but you're still spinning and you're still exercising. So it's a fantastic way to, to uh, get into the, the outdoors. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, still here, uh, still more here on Get Connected. Uh, we're going to uh, get our Alexa skill of the week. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Egerbo here with John Beeler. It's that time, Amazon skill of the week. If you've got an Amazon Echo speaker with the Alexa voice assistant, this is the segment for you. John, what do we have this time? Mike, do you have trouble pairing wine with your food? No, because I like beer. But my wife... <laughs> loves wine and so yeah we do like to you know make some sometimes nice it's food. a it's a good inspirational thing like you have a good bottle of wine maybe you want to find what's the the right food for that or you have a, a meal plan you're like not quite sure what goes with that so uh the my psalm skill is what we have this week uh basically you would just ask alexa say wine gal what goes with a blank and the blank would a be a steak a steak yes right and she would start firing off the wine that you should pair with that particular entree. Does it give specific uh, uh, bottles of wine, or is this more like this is a Pinot Grigio? I think it starts off at the higher level, yeah, and you can narrow it down. There may be some regional differences that this may or may not work as well for you. You know, it's not going to recommend Okanagan wines if you're based in Florida, for example. Yes, but uh, but at least it gives you an idea of like you know this is a good wine to have with a red, or this is a white, or an even you know more granular than that as well. I love it. And the cost on this one? It's free. And again, it's called? My Psalm. But you actually initiate it with Wine Gal. Wine Gal. What goes with my meal? And you say your meal. Yeah. So you say Alexa and then then the command. Wine, ask Wine Gal what goes well with a steak. Perfect. Yeah. Easy. Easy. And uh, available on the Amazon Alexa store that's right for free that's all the time we have left don't forget to listen to our sister show every week on sunday here it is the app show from 10 to 11 on cknw 980 and that goes across the chorus radio network as well and we podcast all of these programs up on the apple uh, podcast store and uh places like google play and spotify as well check it out mike and john and aj logging off for get connected we'll see you again next time You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.